that's not what we want to see on the camera, Dan. Did <laughs> <laughs> it? Oh, Wouldn't be an episode if we didn't have that. If yeah. we didn't have the cat ass. <laughs> And speaking of on fire, welcome to episode 15 of the Disaster Dads. <laughs> We'd like Here to, we uh, go, yo. Here yeah, we, we go. go. This, we're going to start. This is like 14 and a half. Isn't this 14 and a half? No, this is 15. Th- this will be 15. This will be 15. Okay. I thought we were going to put one out as special episode. I'm sorry. No. We can it, tag this as special. We'll take it as special. Is this the super episode? Okay. This is the super episode. Well, and it was it was delayed by man flu, so... <laughs> <laughs> so we just might as well just tack it on and, and still make it a super episode. So um, uh, welcome again, everyone, to episode 15. Uh, you have Joe, Rob, Dan, Frank, and Eric, and we have a special guest with us, returning special guest. First returning First returning guest. Rob. I hold the record. Yes. We're, His oh, second, second appearance. When do I get the jacket? Returning, <laughs> defending guest. He is the Alec Baldwin of (laughs) (laughs) although not nearly as bloated. Yes. And we're all happy for that. Yeah. But just about as gassy. I think that's fair. That's fair. That's a fair statement. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But no, we're happy to have Robin join us. Um, You know, we're we're excited to have him join us because we just recently witnessed a, uh, for some people on the uh, Disaster Dads team, a very uh, miraculous recovery for a certain sporting uh, actually, event. No, no, no. I, I not. I think the. Uh, I think the term is wicked comeback. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. Wicked good comeback <laughs> guy. Yeah. Some of the best Facebook posts I've ever seen come from somebody's pure d- rage, despair, and then triumph like he actually scored the touchdown. I was so happy slash intoxicated by that Super Bowl victory that I ended up trash talking my wife's aunt on Facebook. <laughs> wow. posted something about how, like, oh, well, after the first half, she says, oh, well, my... Uh, you know, my Atlanta-born husband is really happy with how that first half went. And by the end of the second half, I'm posting on her wall like, How's your husband doing now, Auntie? <laughs> oh, God. It was bad. Anyway, He's going full uh, Matt Damon. How you like to have apples? Weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was a really interesting uh, uh, contrast and study there is I have a uh, the buddy that I did Iron Man Los Cabos with is a uh, Atlanta Humble native. brag. Yeah, just like... <laughs> um, Didn't even take that one. And uh, he he was a he's a huge Atlanta Falcons fan. So as I'm watching these two separate, basically almost back to back Facebook feeds going, I wish you could A to B and them. just switch yeah. them. That would have been good. I had a I had a friend. I have a very good friend who lives up in New York. is a Giants fan who, at the end of the first half, was just mercilessly texting me. You guys would have all approved um, and just sunk into despair as the second half goes on. And their last tweet to me, like one minute after the game ended, was just go kill yourself. <laughs> oh, that's a solid friend right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's solid. No, I know that you wanted to go to bed that night because you were texting us that and then you, know, yeah. you couldn't. I almost gave up on the team. It's very true. I will admit it. And it's, it takes a strong man to admit that. Um, but I also, I also you will say, for the that. record, that I did, at the end of the first half, turn to my father-in-law. My in-laws came over to watch the game. They left after the first half because they were like, we don't want to be near this guy anymore. Did we lose somebody? No, Joe keeps uh, jumping okay. in and out. Yeah, but anyway, they decided to leave after the first half because they were like, oh, we don't want to see our son-in-law go through a, an entire breakdown uh, literally in front of us. Um, and so I turned. I said to my father-in-law as they were very quickly getting their shoes on, uh, well, it's probably over, but is Joe making balloon animals now? Yeah, what, I don't, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, 
Uh, Technical difficulty. I'll be back with Joe is building his own computer. Have a preference on balloon animal? I'm pretty sure in about five minutes he's just gonna hold up pieces of paper with questions on them. (laughs) But I'm really, I'm really glad. He's gonna get the signal flags out. I'm glad we woke him up for this too. That's the even better part. We're just gonna hear. Oh God! God damn! Oh, this is great. This is I what it should I'm be like. Oh, so good. But if you hadn't guessed, listeners, uh, we brought Robin on because he had the unique and highly entertaining experience of actually participating in the in the Super Bowl. Now he uh, was backup for Brady, but he wasn't able yeah. to go in. So I, I know. kept trying. So, I didn't think they'd notice. So instead. <laughs> I believe he was moved to a emergency operations center where he took control of that. And yeah, where's the jersey, Robin? Where's the jersey? <laughs> <laughs> there, he's got the game-winning football. But for the right I, I want to know if we got know. a ring for it. A different kind of ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but no, so uh, what, Robin. A different kind of ring. I don't know. It just sounded like <laughs> something that you should say. It just sounds creepy. Well. Welcome to the show, Joe. Are you yeah, back on? Come yeah, on. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm... <laughs> Thanks yeah. for joining at episode 15. It sounded creepy because Eric said it. Yeah. I, I'm just here for my dry humor. <laughs> Pretty sure Frank is just watching a spring training practice in the Nationals already. Right. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Um, but no, so we wanted to bring Robin on to uh, just kind of give us the, the behind-the-scenes experience of of you know working for the the EOC the emergency operations center for such a large scale event with all the different players that are involved um we will find tangential ways to bring this into how being a dad and dealing with the kids and all that but really we just want to talk to Robin about something that's <laughs> yeah. pretty damn ass cool the kids Robin yeah, yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> so well, first let's see yeah go ahead since y'all are in uh, D.C., y'all are probably never going to get a Super Bowl, so let me tell you what it's like. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a so, Browns fan. Next year, man. Next year. Is, well, that, tat- it, is that what's tattooed uh, no. down your spine? Next what? year, next year? <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> now, I don't what? even think we're going to get to host one is what he's getting at, which is fine. Yeah. And it doesn't, and that's the that's the crazy thing about um, Super Bowl is it really you know with, when you get to the other major sports, um, it's you know home and away over a series or something like this. This is the only event where it's you know it's the it's one of the largest single day sporting events in the world, and here it is two teams from anywhere in the nation that you're not going to know until two weeks before that are now this fan base is going to descend upon your. Uh, city. Uh, one of the interesting aspects of that was, you know, one of the biggest, one of the teams that had one of the best chances to get there from the NFC was Dallas. Um, and it being only a, a three hour drive up 45, yeah. um, that actually had to change some of the way we planned for dealing with individuals coming in. Because if it was New England, which ended up being, you know, like New England and Seattle or New England and even Atlanta was still pretty close. Um, but now you have a much larger populace that's going to come down to enjoy the festivities because that was really 90% of, um, what we did, but then also 90% of the, the Super Bowl experience for those like 10 days leading up to the actual event was Super Bowl live, um, which is the, the big festival that the city puts on and NFL experience, which is the. Um, kind of ticketed membered um, event thing where you can come in and, and where they're showing NFL network and ESPN and all those daily morning, you know, the morning sports shows all, you know, shooting live stuff from there where they do radio row for Super Bowl. All that stuff is taking place over there. So you're, you're it's not a one day EOC activation. Right. Uh, well, it was about 11 hey, days. Robert, wasn't, wasn't there also a UFC bout on Saturday? There was. And so what was interesting in that footprint of downtown Houston, um, you know, and and for the listeners out there, just Google Discovery Green and and you'll see on the uh, Google Maps kind of that footprint. You'll see George R. Brown Convention Center, Discovery Green, 
and Toyota Center. So Toyota Center, where the Rockets played and had three home games over that span. Um, the UFC fight was there that Saturday night before. Jeez. Uh, Discovery Green was the big fan fest, including some some additional lots around there. Um, and then George R. Brown, which from from the full thing uh, was completely packed with uh, exhibits and sponsors and food and games um, that they saw. I was looking at a, an art, but we had over 200,000 people um, come to this just that piece uh, over those over, over the week that that was open. Um, so it was a massive amount of people in a very small footprint. Um, so when you start looking at event management planning, we started from an interoperability standpoint, working with local fire departments, EMS, Homeland Security, uh, offices, emergency management, things like that. We started uh, 18 months prior to the Super Bowl. How, long, uh, how far ahead do they uh, announce where the Super Bowl is going to be? Years. Years, it's a couple years. years. They've got they've got couple two three years. years out. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. the running theory is basically if your town is announced to have a Super Bowl, your team will never make it. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't but, have to worry about the Texans. But you know, Robin, but, Robin, that's yeah. a great point because my understanding is that there are, there are a number of of cities that they will either for weather or just for the infrastructure to handle that number of people will never get a Super Bowl. Yeah. But and, New York uh, was the fluke that, you know, everybody's talking about how New York got the yeah, New York Super was Bowl a the year, even though right. they it was had... A t- that was a trial balloon, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, and I mean... And really what it was, out. it was the new stadium. Yeah, right, um, exactly. It, it's a, it's so, a way to... Well, it, and part of that, it's a... Um, it's an incentive for that city to say, hey, we're going to build a new stadium so we can yeah. get the Super Bowl here. Right. And we're going to try this. What was odd? It was outdoor. Next year, right. being Minneapolis, um, it's an indoor stadium. Right. And like you need to have as a city X number of hotel rooms mm-hmm. to even be in the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one of the crazy things that you find out is is they the NFL comes in and says we're going to need so many hotel rooms. Right. Um, and it, and, and so, that is a ridiculous just, number, right? Yeah. And they, and they basically say you're going to give it to us for free. Right. You know, because yeah. they don't have any money for NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they got to sell some actually, T-shirts or something. Yeah. yeah. When I um, when I moved from Texas Children's Hospital to Memorial Hermann at the end of 2012, we already knew that we were getting the Super Bowl. And so we wrote our first multi-year training and exercise plan for Memorial Hermann to end on February, this February for Super Bowl. So we geared up basically three or four years of planning all around getting ready for this event. Now, for the listeners that have not been transported in the greater Houston area <laughs> to a hospital, is Memorial Hermann the major hospital for that city? Memorial Hermann is the largest healthcare system for for Houston basically anywhere you go anywhere you turn you'll you'll see Memorial Harmon somewhere so we're 10 hospitals um four specialty hospitals you know outpatient clinics everywhere it's kind of the big big name in the way of you know Inova and the the Northern Virginia region or Kaiser Permanente out west things like that it's kind of that similar thing for a Houston region sure okay wow so you did all this multi-year planning, but then you also had to have all these different subsets because you said you know you had all these different events going on, but then you were making special plans based on who got in because that impacts you know everything, the traffic, the whatever you have. Because yeah. if it would have been Dallas, like you said, ninety percent of the stuff actually happens outside of the game. You would have had way more people show up for a longer period of time. That. Um, you know, normally, as you as the, Rob yeah, made the joke about Eric, that, your your host city normally never makes it in. So it's like you don't plan on having that many just loiterers. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. those are well, some large like, scale secondary plans. Yeah. What was interesting is you have you have kind of when you when we started actually running like the NF the Super Bowl Live and NFL Experience like the Fan Fest stuff ahead of time. Um, it opened up the week the Pro Bowl weekend. Um, so that, that Friday night was kind of the VIP opening. We're going to tour around and stuff like that. And then 
that that Pro Bowl weekend is the first Saturday and Sunday of it. Um, and that's what they were calling the local weekend. So it's all the folks that are Houstonians from you know, kind of the native to the area that are coming there and checking it out. And it was packed. Um, I mean, and then you, they're smart enough to get out of Dodge before the riffraff shows up. Well, they right. put their place up on Airbnb to make the mortgage for you know the next yeah. year. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so my question was, my question in terms of teams showing up. So Dallas is clearly like a big deal because they're so close to you. Mm-hmm. But you must have had to break glass in case of emergency in terms of planning once you found out that it was going to be New England fans showing up. No, we figured they wouldn't actually show up. <laughs> um, but I mean, truthfully, when it comes to the when it comes to the Super Bowl, what you look at is, you know, something like sixty percent of the people that are coming to this event are not normal NFL fans. It's not a right. huge team base. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are individuals. Now you're saying, hey guys, I need you to fly down to Houston. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's kind of the same thing from Atlanta. There was a there was a decent amount because it's really not that far to come across I ten and I twenty. Um, but I mean, the Super Bowl is more of a seen to be seen kind of, yeah. uh, event than well, it really is. Yeah. I'm going to go it, and it's a bucket list game. thing. If you can yeah. get a ticket, yeah. you're going to go. So it's a bucket list thing, right? I mean, if you get a yeah. ticket, you're going to go. Oh, yeah. Um, so Robin, just a question. You were setting up all those training events for a couple of years out doing all that, getting prepped. But I know Super Bowl, a bunch of other things are, are select national security events, and they're headed up by Secret Service for all the planning and stuff. Do they help you like in the that far out, like giving you ideas of uh, training scenarios that would be good for your hospital system to participate in or be prepared for, or do you kind of look around at other things? Like how I, I've heard different stories on how interactions are with them on some of these events. So like. You don't have to name names or anything like that, but how helpful are they in the prep period rather than when they just come over and it's a national security event and they take over? Um, I would say a lot of it, the the, the actual top-level guys and, and y'all working in that kind of level of, of government and everything like that know kind of the fluidity of some of those things. Those posts change so often. Yeah. Um, and... So a lot of what we were doing from the local level, we're reaching out to the other localities. So we were talking, you know, I was talking to my counterparts from uh, Phoenix and San Francisco and, the, you know, the couple prior Super Bowls past of, okay, guys, how did y'all handle this? What were the things y'all ran into? Um, you know, throwing my disclaimer out there, I guess, of my own, not, <laughs> not compared to Jay's, uh, mine's not formal, is the, these, these thoughts are my own and not... Uh, do not represent Memorial Hermann Health System. Um, a lot of times what we get from FEMA or the, the federal level folks are see, hospitals are seen as kind of the end point of uh, disasters. Yeah. We've solved it. We got the people to the hospital. We're all good. They don't understand that impact. Of, here's what happens when you throw, you know, the, the 120% surge of patients and their families and the media and the additional security measures and all those things that go into uh, responding to a mass casualty. Um, so uh, I wouldn't say that was, that wasn't until the very end. Now there were different aspects. We didn't just say, okay, let's plan just for Super Bowl. Um, and how are we going to deal with a lot of people in town? We had to take and break down each part of that, um, possibility to say, okay, let's focus and make sure that we have a good solid chemical response plan. Um, we've got our contacts there. Now let's work on our mass casualty. Let's work on how do we deal with families. Um, we had been working prior to mass fatality planning, um, you know, from uh, some of the eight, uh, the, the swine flu outbreak and then some oh. of the Ebola outbreak. Um, taking those little pieces and, and when you build that all-hazards response, say, okay, how do all these things help play into a big event response? Yeah. Yep. Was that a word hurricane for you? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> makes sense. To it, me. it was, but it totally made sense. It, okay, good. So, can I ask some nuts and bolts questions about the EOC during the during the event? Mm-hmm. Is this a good time for that? Yeah. Uh, how many agencies were in the EOC? Um, I'm trying to remember the number. Um, what was interesting was, uh, I know it was, uh, we had several EOCs active. Wasn't one single. Here's 
you know, Houston EOC and you walk in there and it's mission control. Um, I remember seeing a, um, somebody posted it on Twitter. It was like Jesse Palmer from, from ESPN yeah. went met with, uh, one of the representatives that was at the Houston emergency center to stand by the cool embossed glass doors and <laughs> kind of do that show off. But we had the Houston emergency center, which I know holds it, it's, I think it's 12 agencies in there. Um, we had the Harris County Office of Emergency Management, their EOC set up, which holds 18. Um, I was in a I was in a forward command post at the George R. Brown Convention Center that ha- that was just um, I think that was like 12 agencies in there because that was I was sitting with fire and EMS um, and police department. Um, that was the public safety command post. Um, for the event, and then that and that was during that whole run up. That was everybody active, pretty much active, 7 a.m. to about midnight every day, um, Pro Bowl weekend all the way through Super Bowl Sunday. And then on the on the day of the game, what was interesting? So we calculated up from the Thursday before Pro Bowl till the end of Super Bowl Sunday night. I worked 163 hours. Oh, um, wow! Yeah. <sighs> Cash uh, that overtime check. Yeah. yeah. What overtime check? <laughs> uh, so please get comp days for it. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, so what was interesting is the um, by the time we hit the the actual time for like breakdown of the fan fest stuff and everybody kind of transitioning over to the stadium that day, um, we headed back to our our command center for Memorial Herman and just set up there and it was me and my boss and my planner with everybody, all our executive team on call, um, probably at their houses enjoying the game and everything like that. Um, and we sat there bug eyed and exhausted and, and just kind of watched the game. And I sat there watching, uh, somebody's Facebook feed as they went from pure agony to pure, (laughs) pure bliss. Greatest second half ever. So that, that actually feeds directly into my second question, which is, mm-hmm. so when the Pats pulled it 28 to 20 <laughs> in the fourth quarter, I mean, there's no incident command system plan in place to prepare for that type of miraculous <laughs> comeback, right? I mean, that, that's what, that's security, what... there's no help at that point, right? Don't, no, don't sell them short. What... There, was, there was a tab for that. They planned ahead for this, I'm fairly certain. Oh, Robin and his boss are, you know, they're there turning their keys at the same time. They're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was interesting it's like at a that hunt point? For Red October missile launch scene? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so what's interesting, this was actually like, I guess, sensitive information. It's not a, you know, they're, the Atlanta Falcons are not a government, uh, government, government agency, so there's no classification to it. But um, Well, don't, don't sell them short yet. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, yeah, somebody check Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so on the one of our hospital campuses, actually the one where I work out of, there's a hotel connected to it. If you happen to be watching the coverage and you saw the people standing outside that were being the the reporters for the Atlanta Falcons, you know, in the in front of the Weston Memorial City, that's yep. attached to Memorial Herman Memorial City via Skywalk. Yep. And right. several other entrances and things like that. So we had to have a pretty good um, security plan to deal with player movement. Um, our employees that walk through that hotel to get across the street over to the mall for the food court. Um, the number of fans that were coming in. We had uh, additional PD stationed on there the whole time. Um, here, here's a little fun one. So we're done with the game, right? Yeah. I'm done. I'm going home. That's the end of it. Um, I, I had already texted my wife and said, you know, it's over. I'm, we've survived. Um, I go walk up the stairs. I make, I go to make a turn to go into the stairwell for the parking garage. And I look down clear plastic bag, black, hard, something inside that plastic bag and green wires. Oh, oh no. Nice. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so you turned around. Didn't call security, you? call PD, get the bomb squad, all these things. We determined <laughs> Their trash on the ground and everything, but it was like, oh. come on. <laughs> um, so there were some there were some unique aspects that we had to deal with because of now we had not only the Super Bowl in town, but 
Um, one of the teams staying in a hotel basically bought out the whole hotel next door directly attached to our campus. Sure. Um, so we had 7.30 briefings every morning to talk about what are going to be the impacts for the day, what time are the player movements, how can how is this going to be an impact now to emergency traffic coming in of, of ambulances? Because what was interesting is the, the PD, um, great guys, but they were like, look, we're here working for the team to make sure this goes off. If an ambulance has trouble getting in, we will try to assist them. But at the end of the day, we're here for that purpose, not for the ambulance. Um, right. Very straightforward. There was no politics yeah. to it. It was just that's yeah. their mission. Yeah. Right. Kick off the six ten boys. Speaking yeah. of the uh, the emergency response, so you got in Reliant Stadium holds about seventy two thousand fans, mm-hmm. probably more for the Super Bowl. Look at Frank googling some facts. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's why Google facts from two thousand twelve because it's now called NRG. Oh. 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 Hey, hold on. Wow. Let me update the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Um, and just remember, the Texans are owned by the New England Patriots. <laughs> yes, they, yes, they are. Um, you got 72,000, but something happens in that stadium. You've obviously probably going to the closest hospital first. But mm-hmm. h- how did you guys com- – what, what type yeah. of contingency plans do you have to, to treat possibly 70-plus thousand people if they were all injured in, from whatever happened, chemicals, bombs going off? Mm-hmm. Um, we're pretty fortunate, uh, in Houston that we have, you know, we have the Texas medical center, uh, that we're home to. It's one of the largest medical centers in the, I think it's actually the largest in the world, yeah. uh, concentration of hospitals. Um, but when we say that and everybody goes, Oh, but you got the Texas medical center. A lot of the bulk of that medical center is also, uh, nursing schools and, and medical schools, research, things like that. And it's not just pure hospitals. Um, but we have a very rich concentration of, of acute care facilities, um, not just the hospitals. We have something like 167 in our region that are that are you could transport to. Um, but we also have, you know, the standalone ERs and the urgent cares, and we brought them all in. This has been a multi-year effort of, of bringing all these individuals in um, and kind of getting them on the same page. We also have something that's called the CMOC. Uh, that was born out of uh, hey. Hurricane Katrina and, and Rita. Um, yep. That is our catastrophic medical operations center, and it basically acts as like 911 for hospitals, um, and also can is a little bit like NASA okay. mission control, where we can instead of me trying to call okay. 15 different hospitals What's and say, okay guys, tell me what your bed numbers are. You know, how many people can I bring right now that are that are you know, reds, yellows, and greens for the listeners, um, you know, the, the tri- disaster triage levels of bad, okay, and they're going to be fine. Um, Just watch the watch the temperature. So, so instead of utilizing this medical operations center, we're able to kind of have a single focal point. In the so um, the medical directors for HFD, Houston Fire Department, so. we're able to coordinate with CMOC and say, okay, Keep if we have that kind of level one boom event, this is how we're going to break it up. Where, our our level one trauma facilities are going to get so many of these. Level twos are going to get so many of these. Okay, so level three kind of down the line. The um, so they kind of pre-establish so some order, and then they go back, and we have a we have a system that we use that re- does bed reports. So you can go in there and say, I can take okay. so many so just reds, yellows, and greens, but I can also take, you know, I've also got so many um, – you know, general medical surgical beds open, so many yeah, stroke beds like open, cool. things like that, based upon yeah. the specialty of the care providers. So you can really get a get a good regional picture of okay. what's our capacity in the region, what what can we really deal with. Robin, what? did you guys do anything like um, in order to try and create a little bit more space or just sort of flexibility within the system? Tell people Put like, are you going to have? If you're going to have elective surgery, maybe don't do it during Super Bowl week. You know what I mean? Like anything like that. Was there anything done in terms of the overall medical capability? Um, no, really from a not from a bed standpoint, they, they didn't want to. I mean, if, if you're familiar with the healthcare industry, elective surgeries are, are a huge chunk of revenue. Yep. Um, and so they didn't want to. You, you didn't have folks turning those away. Um Really, what they did was look at how do we increase staffing, how do we increase resources, 
um, really from a, a short-term emergency care perspective. Um, I would say the, the good thing about, the, you know, the bad thing is Houston has a lot of sprawl. The good thing is a lot of our sprawl kind of takes those co- uh, the concentration centers away from downtown Houston, where yeah. if there was an event uh, in downtown, you're not going to have a lot of the locals impacting the system. You've got all those other medical facilities there de- dealing kind of with um, what's available from, you know, just coming out of NRG. Gotcha. Now, how far would would you have to transport transport patients? Like, say the the, the low level trauma patients, the ones who can walk. How far would they have to go to get to a to get to a care facility? I think it was uh, six miles as the crow flies, and it's a it's kind of a straight shot up up the road. Um, and we've been doing that exercise because we have um, well we have rodeo um, one of the largest rodeos. Uh, and the nation is going to start up in a couple weeks here, and we do this annually. So we're kind of used to this drill of, of big events at NRG um, and how do you deal with this. And those hospitals that are right there, um, you know, they're just it, – it's I think it's two train stops yeah. uh, for our, our little metro rail. Um, it's no big deal for them. They're, they're kind of used to, okay, how do we, how do we kind of in the front line – the bigger deal is now when you start looking at you've, you've maxed out the concentration in the medical center right there, and now we're going to start going out into our regional, kind of out into that hub-and-spoke community um, where it may be a 37-mile transport um, out to where I live out in Katy, um, or I think it's about 45 miles up to the woodlands. You know, it's it, they're doable, but they're longer transports. They take off, they take out more time and things like that and take other units out of service. Um, the good part of that is we the, the EMS agencies have really regionalized the plan where they're able to backfill. And so if you're taking a, uh, a city unit that's used to running inside downtown Houston and say, no, I need to send you out to take this patient out to the woodlands, you've got other agencies that are able to bring their folks into uh, downtown Houston. Guys, what was that? What was that? Was it the Chicago Marathon? Remember, we all had to go through that training for it where – there was a unit brought in for the Chicago Marathon that got lost with the cardiac patient on the way to oh, the ER. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember that. They lost the patient. How many count? There was like at least one or two training drills we had to go through where it was like, all right, for the things in our area that we used to have to, you know, sign up for Marine Corps Marathon, Army 10 Miler, all that stuff. When you when you start pulling all these units in from every which way to cover these types of events, um, if you're going to hand them a critical patient and say, "All right, you're going to have to go from patient pickup to, you know, Herman Memorial X or the um, Washington Medical Center, or you're going to have to take them to Georgetown, but half the bridges are closed. How are you going to get there?" Um, you know, there was that horrible incident in Chicago. I think it was Chicago, right? Yeah, was you're like right. Chicago I think marathon. so, yeah. It was during the marathon. Uh, somebody went into cardiac arrest. Yeah. Exactly. And the, and the transport unit didn't know how to get them to the ER. Um, and uh, it became this case study that all, like, probably every fire department looked at that ever goes to a, to a, an, a, a large public event, which is every fire department, let's be honest. Um, right. and was sort of a drill for know your, uh, you know, know your transport routes, guys. Well, what's interesting, I mean, we talk about these cases of, of the marathons or Super Bowl or any of these kind of, and these are all, you know, these are all planned special events, right? Yep. So I can bring my, I can bring in, we, we worked with a secondary ambulance agency that was hired specifically by the NFL um, that was helping us with, Oh, really? um, first aid and ALS inside the convention center. Um, Where did they because come we from? had, uh, it's, uh, it was Arcadian. Oh. So they're, they're big regional. Contract. I think they're trying yeah. to become a national, yeah. um, they, they do. They're big in the transport. South. Yeah, they do transport and they also do uh, first response in some areas. Um, but they were, they were brought in specifically by NFL to run kind of pre-hospital inside the convention center for NFL experience. Um, and we talked about, well, if we had to do transports, you know, they had time to do practice runs. 
which is which is great. Here's here's taking it back to a, a disaster dad's lesson. Um, when you have those opportunities, when it's a nice sunny day, um, and it's going to be a plan, you know, it's a planned special event. Hey, we're going to go to the zoo, kids. Um, you have those opportunities to run those routes and get familiar with the landmarks and things like that. Now, if you didn't do that, and now you have a disaster, and it's now it's an evacuation zone, and those bridges are out. Okay, you don't know where you're going yet. I'm going to pop up Google Maps and say, "Tell me which way to go," and it's going to throw me over that same dis- uh, closed bridge. Um, so these are, and this is kind of what we preach to our folks: is take that opportunity now, once the sunny day, to learn the route, so you don't have to try and do it in the dark when it's raining. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, how many trains are you tied it into a disaster dad's list? There you go, beautiful. <laughs> Whoa, so you, you, you the guy about- that's not actually uh, one of the disaster dads. Oh yeah, he no, he's an honorary disaster dad. You know, he is. He's, just, he's br- just bring him into the fold. Yeah. So you talked about <laughs> was not the, the NFL. Was I not the original dad of the group? Well, you were. We're actually yeah. you were the first. Dad. You're not the oldest dad, but you're the oldest dad. <laughs> yeah. All right. So <laughs> you, you talk about the NFL bringing wow, in this. That's why I'm ignoring it. So the NFL brings in this private EMS that was agency. Ro- that was Rob, by the way. Now, <clears throat> as far as outside agencies go, does does the city of Houston, their police and their fire handle this, or do they bring in departments from you know officers and, and firefighters from the suburbs and units from that area? Do they kind of surge fill the city with this well, event over the course of a week? No, because they were able to handle. It's I mean, it, it was an increase in daily volume, but but HPD, you know, the, the Houston groups could really kind of handle on a day-to-day stuff, and that was really okay. the plan. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm just thinking of when we had the inauguration here, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the suburban agencies sent officers downtown yes. for security. Oh. I, don't know if, you know, I don't know if suburban... Well, I, I was going to say the inauguration, there were state police from Ohio, Maryland, right. yeah. uh, Pennsylvania. Oh. I saw them in Cleveland, so... <laughs> I was actually going to ask that question: How regional the the approach was from a how big from a, the region that we're talking yeah. about. Well, okay, so so we'll say from a from a just right around Houston perspective, it was mainly HPD. It was HFD was like I'm going to hand you know we're going to handle fire and, and normal EMS like that. The law enforcement and security presence uh, was tremendous. We had. Um, we, I mean, there were dog teams that were from Coast Guard, from California, from Ohio. Um, trying to remember some oh, of the other law enforcement agents. Yeah, I, I mean, it really was it, these these groups that are brought in from all over. Yeah. Um, and you know, everybody talks about, oh, how cool you get to work at the Super Bowl and command posts and things like that. And we're yeah. sitting in George R. Brown, the, the convention center there, um, the third floor. Um, was where like our command post was, Radio Row, all those kind, you know, the the kind of up and out of the way things, and on just where you think of like a normal convention center, where you're up on the the upper floor where there's the rooms and there's big hallways, and there would be a, um, you know, an officer from the a security officer from the Coast Guard that had to sit at a table for an eight-hour shift with their canine who they wouldn't say what their specialty was. And I was smart enough not to ask, yeah, right. uh, you know, that was, that was their entire shift. That was their job every day for about 10 days was I'm going to sit in this chair for eight hours. And if something goes wrong, I'm here ready. Um, but that was it. And, and these, there were folks from all over. I mean, it's, and this was not the, this, the, I never really got close. I'll be, I'll be honest. I never really got close to the stadium. Uh, I didn't want to. Um, I didn't know how many different uh, kind of checks and, and uh, TSA style uh, right. body exams I would have to go through to get right. security clearance into there. So, you know, from that standpoint, that place was put on lockdown 48 hours out of, of FBI. You know, it's a SEER level one event, highest national security, probably just under, you know, inauguration type of thing. Um so the the security response was massive, and when it, it was national in, in the response, um, fire and EMS again going back to those lessons learned of we didn't want to bring outside EMS agencies and that may not know the routes. 
um, are going to, you know, they, they were they were sticking to their territory because that's how they know how to run best. Yeah. Now, how many transport and, units would you have? Did you have come in for this? Because you mentioned the private agency. Um, they just had two for the uh, for that event, and that was just to sit at George R. Brown. So, what's interesting if you ever get to go to the NFL Experience, um, they have. Um, uh, different games set up there. And a lot of the games that are set up are combine events. So running the 40 yard dash, doing an obstacle course, doing the vertical jump. And I wrote like four patient reports in a row that were, I was running and I felt a pop. Um, <laughs> so that's, that was the majority of like, we saw almost 300, you know, we saw almost 350 patients over those 10 days just at our first aid stations. And the majority of them were sports med injuries, you know, broken limbs because they were running and went to to make a turn and fell on their arm or something like that. That was the that I'm was the bad stuff. Player. Yeah, that, that was really beer. it. It was it was I'm going to race my 12 year old kid, even though I'm 45 and I haven't I haven't ran since I was right. in high school uh, and they blow out their hamstring. That's right. The 45 year old guy, not the 41 year old runner. all right guys nobody's asked a really important question which was at any point during your eoc time did anyone say houston we have a problem (laughs) no because we were all smart enough opportunity missed i know (laughs) as soon as that sentence was dropped someone got slapped and was told to leave the room oh yeah yeah (laughs) Speaking of broken bones and because you know Dan yeah. would be the one person to do that, he would be. He'd, he would be the first guy to get kicked out of the UFC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some intern is sitting there going, "Hey, Houston," and Robin just turns and me, "Don't, don't even say, no. it. get out, nope. get out." Yeah. It's like that meme with Batman slapping Robin. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Except this time it's Robin slapping the whatever no, anyway it was good yeah. I'm just be quiet and drink my martini can we edit that out of post <laughs> we can no try no it. that'll stay that'll stay All right. but so I do have Cheers. to ask what was more um, stressful the Iron Man or all the hours for the Super Bowl because listeners mm-hmm. Robin is run more miles than all the disaster, disaster deaths combined he, over their whole life. Humble brag drop the yeah. Iron Man Los Cabos. He's done that. <laughs> so that door was open. So I would allow him to, uh, yeah. to talk about his, which, his which new is, permanent ink on his training. leg. Yeah. By the way, yeah. Robin, Robin, one of the smarter guys you'll ever meet decided I'm going to go to Cabo and run for three days <laughs> and bike and swim <laughs> and swim. bike and swim. <sighs> what? And get a tattoo to commemorate it. Get a tattoo. It was pretty. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even remember what it'll look like. The tattoo at least fits the location. Yeah. You know, the tattoo was the, the, I can always show off and say when I'm old and stuff like that, say I did this. The the race was. It's going to be a straight line at that point. It's no longer going to be Iron Man Ham. It's going to kind of just flatten out to a. Well, I was going to say we're all really honored that you got the Disaster Dads logo tattooed on your butt. <laughs> That's actually where the logo should go. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most appropriate it place for, sense. for us. For all that y'all are paying me, that's where I'm putting it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it, the I would say the Super Bowl stuff was more stressful. Um during Iron Man, I was you know, actually both. I was pretty selfish. I mean, the the true incident commander of the whole thing was really Megan, uh, my wife, that ran the show and kept things going while I was. I mean, I would I would roll out at at five o'clock in the morning and roll back in around twelve or one every morning during during Super Bowl stuff um, of just reportings and and meetings and and running the EOC and a lot of time of just sitting around and doing nothing. Um, but then also a lot of time of just running around, checking on first aid stations, uh, getting reports, doing, you know, uh, briefings and things like that. So it was that was probably more stressful, at least during during Iron Man. It was, you know, it was, it was you, you're very much supported and you can be very selfish the whole time. I was sat there. I, I realized during during your bike ride of Iron Man, there was an aid station every six miles. So every six miles, I got ice cold water, ice cold Gatorade, food, people dumping ice water on me, 
Um, that wouldn't fly in the EOC. <laughs> You could have that set right up. But. It would be awesome if you had somebody come in and just dump some cold water <laughs> on you. Dump water in. Um, I mean, I do have to give a shout-out to uh, Houston Police Department fed us every day, which was great, but that means that there was like three guys out at the grill down at the, the outside GRB that were making pulled pork sandwiches and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was probably the unhealthiest I've ever felt after an activation was – Nothing yeah. but like barbecue it, chicken and pulled at pork. At least you got pulled pork. Days. We used to get at uh, um, events with cold, nasty Subway sandwiches. Or uh, well, boxed oh, meals made by the best. inmates. It's, it's, it's yeah, the right. inmates, yeah. If Subway would have been Does nice. anybody it's remember the... the chicken salad debacle of the Marine Corps <laughs> Marathon of 2011? Again, Northern Virginia versus Texas. <laughs> yeah, exactly correct. <laughs> I, I will say the best food I've ever had on a response was the Southern Baptist Kitchen and their chicken. It was mm-hmm. amazing. Those guys know but, but actually, they have Robin, it down to a science. Yep. And, Robin, that's because I think everyone on the podcast has done one of the DUI checkpoints at the fire department back in yep. the good yeah. old days. And the cops know how to cater a standby, man. Mm-hmm. PD, PD oh, they're, they're, done. Yeah. they're not leaving their hungry. No, they're not leaving their hungry. No. You know what was interesting? So, so when Eric and I were talking about this, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, what from a from a dad's perspective can we talk about? Um, Food. What do oh. you think we got a ton of calls in in this, this big event? Oh, lost children. There we Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Yeah. Tons and tons of missing yeah. kids that were – you know, these and they're all found within 12 to 15 minutes, but it was everybody losing their dang that kid. Is the, that is the longest 12 to 15 minutes in creation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So as you're, as you're begging for sponsors, I got one for you. And this is – I actually got this. We get these for Iron Man. This is my road ID. If you, oh, yeah. I know, the, I know the listeners can't, you know, can't see this, but it's a simple – Mine is a the silicone band, like the old Livestrong bands that have just a little ID on there that's metal. That was like, I think it was like fifteen or eighteen dollars. That gives your name and your spouse's name, um, any kind of information. They have them in kid sizes. We have them on our kids. Um, so when we went to Disneyland, when we go to, when we traveled down to Mexico and stuff like that, we made sure that if anybody found them, if they got lost from us, it's not well. I've I don't know my mom's phone number. I don't know what this is. I don't know, yeah. you know, this kid does, but there's the, there's the contact information right then and there. So also, there's your plug. Also, <laughs> it's good for your kids because your kids do our junior Ironman. So, you know, you'll yeah. be able to track them on the course too. Yeah. True. The, the road, the road idea is basically like tagging cattle. So, you know, where they roam and when you get back to them. You just plant a chip under their skin. I don't know I, why you guys need to make them do that more with your why? I'm fully supportive of that. Joe, that's ridiculous. No, you tattoo on their Marcos. Yeah. <laughs> no, side note, there's some dude that got an RFID chip put in the uh, space between his thumb and his index finger and linked it to his cell phone so he could like do the Apple Pay, all that kind of stuff by just waving his hand over things. But he was also starting to change it to incorporate some of his personal data, his his health data and all that so that he could swipe it over, you know, as computer systems upgraded to hospitals or whatever. So you could have this little chip in between your thumb and your forefinger that would have have it all. And it's it's RFID linked to your phone. So uh, that's just hey guys, my random sign up. Waiting for the Russians to hack you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never kiss a lady that has an RFID chip. Yeah. See, you guys aren't watching Black Mirror enough. It's all going to be in the eye. It's all going to be retina scans. Oh, see, I've watched one episode of that, and I'm kind of hooked a little bit. I started with the first one. The uh, get get the, past the first one. The prime minister It'll and the okay. pig. Get, get oh, I watched the one. prime minister and the pig one. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, if it, it's it, you get, more, you get past uh, the first one. After that, get yeah. past the first one. You're going to be okay. I just can't believe that's the first episode they start with. It's, yeah, they they came out hot with that. Starting <laughs> off with a bang, as it were. Mm. Bacon. But uh, so yeah, that's our random TV reference for right now is Black Mirror. So check right. that out. But uh, 
Any... Robin's never coming back on this podcast. So. <laughs> we'll Two and done. That's all you need. Four episodes before he's it comes not on. mad at us, guys. He's disappointed. He's right. <laughs> That was full on dad face. That is yeah. a dad face. If I that was a full on dad face. <laughs> He's gonna get that disaster dad's tattoo laser laser removed. I, yeah. I just yeah. <laughs> if you're disappointed with us, visit us at disasterdads.com or check us out on Twitter at disasterdads or on the Facebook at disasterdads. Which I gotta say, thank you for our uh, 200 plus followers on Facebook and for Disaster Dan uh, getting that all put together. Uh, hey, whoa, 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 whoa! Let's let's not follow that what nomenclature. Thank you very much. Disaster Dad. <laughs> Disaster Dan. No, that's good. Keep it up. It, it works. You I thought that fight. was what we were doing. God, I'm never yeah. gonna lift. Yeah, I never should have said that. We're never gonna stop using that one, are we? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. It's pretty no, much nope. there. That's. Yep. I'm gonna have that embroidered on your. Get it tattooed. I'm gonna have that embroidered on your tarp that will get you when this. Uh, when we start getting all the sponsor dollars from insuring on this, you'll get uh, your own embroidered tarp. You say that as if I haven't already priced out and bossed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan list. is the Sean Spicer of our podcast with the don't put words in my mouth. You take that, you you take that back right now. Joel. You take that back right now. Way to go there, Spicy. Did you see the? I will, uh, I will tweet out your your vital statistics. Did you see like a Canadian newspaper did something about uh, the Melissa McCarthy impersonator Sean Spicer did a uh, like it was funny like oh nice it was good oh um, but no so anyways uh, any final parting words that you have for your uh, your time doing the Super Bowl Robin or anything like that I mean this has been fascinating it's been interesting to to hear about and all the different tie-ins to things. But like no, seriously, like again. get Eric's question. Like <laughs> when the Pat when the Patriots won the toss <laughs> for the overtime and they got the pos- the first possession, you knew this was going to be the greatest Super Bowl ever, right? So my my thoughts at that point of the game were, I really don't care. Let's get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How pissed were you when the Patriots tied the game and it went to overtime and you? That's like. That's another hour that you don't get with your family. Yeah, no, I, actually, a very at, at that point, I wanted to see. I, I kind of assumed with their momentum and everything, I kind of knew what the outcome was going to be. But when they get, started heading towards that final score to get to overtime, I was like, "Oh, you're kidding me!" Yeah. You know, after they talk about it, we never go to you know Super Bowls never gone to overtime. And I'm like, okay, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm almost <laughs> son of a. Yeah. You must have been so pissed when Joe Buck was like a Super Bowl has never gone to overtime. You must have been like, son nice. of a mother, yeah. Yeah. Joe Buck, why did you say that? And it would be Joe Buck that would say that. Joe Buck is a pox on all houses. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it was a it was a great experience. You you worked with a lot of different agencies. You got a, you got a chance to really, um, you know, as as. Emergency managers, a lot of times, um, we're often seen as the the sky is falling, chicken little kind of individual. Because you're saying, "Hey guys, we got a plan for this big disaster," and everybody goes, "Oh, that's that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen." Um, <laughs> you know, when you when you get something like Super Bowl yeah. coming this way, um, they start throwing a lot of money, a lot of resources at you to do whatever you want because nobody wants to look bad on the international stage. Um, so we got to, to lean on that, lean on that a lot. Um, I think the, the previous episode that I was on, we were in the middle of doing um, mass casualty exercises. That was the beginning where we were doing. I think that was we were on like between two or three out of twenty that we ended up doing uh, across our system, uh, including like ten full scale moulage actors, all that stuff. Um, full day things because you you had the opportunity that you had to, to go out and take for um, getting the hospitals prepared and, and putting all these things to place because you had you know something like Super Bowl coming that way yeah right and also if when the NFL is going to throw you money take it spend it no the NFL didn't throw us any money so well, we actually. Wait. Well, they don't I, pay for I, any of that stuff. I know you said about hotel stuff, but they don't like toss anything in for the overtime or or any of the training no. or anything. That's no, oh. no, because their no. deal is you're going to make all the money and in, in um, 
the increased revenue and bar service for food and bars and hotels and transportation. So, well, what a crock! Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) they should should pony up a little bit or something. I mean, they're not doing it on player awareness. Hey guys, we've already burned the Melissa and Doug sponsorship. Let's not. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. What about the NFLPA? I mean, could we get them? What's that? They're local. Yeah, we'll, we'll They're We are we are yeah. friends to all. Yeah. Yeah, we'll take anybody. I don't know there, but yeah. Cool. So there was no anybody. there was no ponying up. It was just all the the. You know, it it was kind of the same thing that we ran into when Ebola hit in Dallas, that you yeah. had everybody freaking out about it. Um. So you, that was your opportunity to go up and talk to the the executives and the people that that have the purse strings and say, hey guys, um, we need to do something about this. Um, Super Bowl is one, another one of those opportunities. Um, so it, it allowed us a, a, a great opportunity to kind of really move our preparedness ahead leaps and bounds during this time. That's awesome. Way to take a cool experience and then actually learn something from it. So well done. Nah, nah, nah. Well done. Nah, well, you guys, that, was, that was funny. Guys, we were talking about um, what was the, you know, the, uh, sitting around the dinner table tonight, my, my son asked me what was the coolest, you know, what's been the coolest part of 2017? Uh, and as tiring as exhausting, walking around that footprint of the NFL experience and all the, you know, it's it's really, I mean, it's really grand if you've ever seen it of of the rings. I got to put on a Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl ring. Um, and then you, know. you promptly washed your hands, like <laughs> yeah, and then you immediately yeah. sought emergency medical care for the burning sensation. Because your hand was turning green, or like one of the Putin, one of the guys on our team, with his, it on his wife he, is a huge Cowboys fan, and she he was hoping to get a picture of the rings and everything, and he happened to not be in the the command post that night. Well, that's where they stored the rings. Was up in the command post with all the cops with the large guns. <laughs> um, so they allowed sense. us that when they put when they put the rings away at the end of the night, they allowed us to uh, take pictures and everything. And they're like, "Y'all can try them on." So I put one on, <laughs> sent it to him. I said, "Is this the the ring that your wife wanted to see?" <laughs> nice. Not not the one you gave her X number of years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, there. Oh, that bad. But so now, cool. as as far as Emergency management and events go. Is this has got to be a badge of honor of like, oh, you want to bring the rodeo in? Oh, what a marathon! Yeah, we did the Super Bowl. Bring it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got to be the attitude there, right? Yeah, it is. It's it's funny because all the and it's a lot of the same players every single time from fire department, police, and, and hospitals and stuff like that all sitting around the room when we talk about you know in the last couple of years we've had the All Star Game, we've had NCAA Final Four. Um, we have, you know, we have all these big events that keep coming to Houston and as much as the mayor and all those groups love to tout it, we're just exhausted. We're like, okay, whatever. It's the same plan as before. Right. Um, you, you kind of, you kind of get it down. So that's good. Oh yeah. You just, just pull the binder, Mark, Super Bowl 51 and, you know, change it to 54 in a couple of years and you're good to go. Yeah. I'll make somebody else do that one then. Right. (laughs) It's all the resume now. Wow. Well, we appreciate you sharing uh, with us your your experience and letting us pick your brain and just be in awe that we actually got to know someone that went to the Super Bowl in some sort of fashion. <laughs> in, in some weird, yeah. convoluted yeah, way. convoluted way. Yeah. So, well, cool. now all the it was funny is all the docs that I worked with, um, all the emergency medicine physicians from from our uh, flagship campus and and that are also HFD physicians and everything. They all worked at the game. They were all at the stadium and stuff like that. So they got to go see it. Um, but they were kind of in the bowels of the stadium way down there and got to sneak out at certain points. And I was like, that's y'all enjoy. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to watch this from somewhere else. Somewhere where I don't have to deal with traffic and maybe can sleep something later. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, cool. Well, I appreciate being on. I know there's no, I know there's no cobble and and those other places that you're not yeah. allowed to talk. About. It's Houston, very similar yeah. atmospheres. <laughs> so, and it's the same thing. Don't, Don't worry, Robert. Your city is just as much a disaster as Jay did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to preach the same lessons that Jay did. Be be aware of your environment. Don't come to Texas wearing your New England Patriots gear. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so especially so this if you're hat, Tom Brady. By the way, yeah. this hat that I'm wearing right now, 
is from a Boston hat company, and it was created right after the Tom Brady suspension. It is the Free Brady uh, uh, edition of the uh, of their flat cap. Yeah, I so really just I thought you were trying to bring back the newsy look. Yeah, I, I thought I thought you were going for a Bruce Arenas Phoenix Cardinals coach look. No, shut so your face, Rob. To... Shut your face, Rob. <laughs> Bruce Arenas. Uh, Joe's googling Bruce Arenas right now. No idea. Uh, he's an interlocutor of the other coaches in the area. I'm interlocutor. <laughs> I thought Dan was going to uh, going to drive up to the Catskills in an old Model T or something. Right? Yeah. Uh, Bruce I, I might, Robin. <laughs> I might. He stopped his jug band to come do the podcast, and he's going back into it later. <laughs> Where do you think all the gin came from? He has the clay drugs somewhere that he's been he's been playing. He's a couple. He's gonna be an octave off now because he's been drinking so much of it. But God, we have to get a gin sponsor. <laughs> lots go. of lots of sponsors just for us. So oh, well, from all of us from the disaster dads, we want to thank you, Robin, for joining us. Hey, I'm a couple in myself. Uh, <laughs> So we appreciate it. We thank you for uh, sharing your insights. Again, DisasterDads.com, DisasterDads on Twitter and the Facebooks. Uh, hit up Joe. Ask all the questions you want from him because he's really excited to be here. You can all tell. <laughs> yeah. And uh, with that, we panic, so you don't, <laughs> we panic so you don't have to. So thanks a lot, everyone. I thought, I thought the guest was supposed to send us out. I'm doing it. I'm taking it. Or he can take it. <laughs> Do it live. Just do it live. Do it live. Say this out, Robin. All right, Robin. They panic, so you don't have to. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Dance.